All right, good morning, everyone. A lot of energy in the room today, appreciate that. So uh, yesterday we began a series talking about depression and overcoming the blues. And in our Christian walk, many times we, or ourselves or someone we know or someone we love struggles with depression, some kind of mental illness. Um, and one of the things we thought was very important is to talk about that. So I appreciate the fact that the elders have supported this uh, the seminar this weekend. We, we had a two-hour session yesterday, and we're going to continue it that this morning with our Bible study and then into our worship service. So thank you for being here. Um, I want to introduce Dr. Ryan Fraser. He's coming to us today to present this topic. He, he also wrote a book uh, that is, has some practical steps on what we can do uh, in, in overcoming depression issues. So um, this morning, uh, he will be leading our, our Bible study. So uh, Dr. Fraser grew up in Cape Town, South Africa on the mission field. His parents were missionaries and uh, helped plant quite a few uh, churches there in the, in the South African um, area. He has an education, his master's degree in div um, ministry, a master's degree in divinity, a PhD in pastoral theology and pastoral counseling. He is a licensed clinical pastoral therapist and a fellow of the American Association of Pastoral Counselors. He currently directs the Masters in Pastoral Care and Counseling Program at Freed Hardeman University. He's a contributor to USA Today and religion, religion columnist for the Jackson Sun. Uh, Ryan is happily married to Missy, uh, 31 years, and uh, has two children. You're, you'll hear a little bit about uh, that personal situation this morning. And he resides in Henderson, Tennessee, where he serves at Freed Hardeman. So uh, Dr. Ryan Frazier. Good morning. It's great to be in Texas. It's always good to come back to Texas. And uh, I've enjoyed um, getting to spend time at, at Katy. And uh, yesterday, uh, Tony, after we had uh, been here, we got to go to NASA. And I tried to sneak on and see if they'd take me up to the moon, but that didn't work out. But it was great. And I uh, really uh, enjoyed being in the mission control room. And it's just a lot of cool things in, in Houston, that's for sure. But um, I appreciate your being here this morning, and I appreciate the, the elders um, of the Katy Church of Christ and uh, the minist uh, ministry leaders and ministers uh, for this uh, invitation to spend some time with you yesterday and now uh, this morning. And I, I hope that there's something we can say that will be an encouragement uh, to you um, in your uh, walk with, with God. So let's have a prayer together and we'll start in our class. Let's pray. Loving Father, we're so thankful for the gift of your Son. We're thankful for the church that he died to purchase, to establish, that we can be his brothers and sisters, that we can uh, be connected to you through, through him as our mediator, as our high priest. Father, we're so thankful that Jesus walked as, as we walk. In his human form, he experienced the full uh, spectrum of, of human emotion and human experience. Yet he did it without sin. And Lord, that he is a sympathizing 
high priest because he understands the, the pain, the sorrow, the challenges that we, um, as part of this fallen human condition, experience. I pray that you will bless us this morning as we study about the power of, of service and we tap into the example of Jesus as the, the suffering servant who came to show us the path to life eternal. Be with those this morning that, that are suffering emotionally, spiritually, physically, relationally. Father, I pray that you bring re reconciliation and, and hope um, into their lives and that their faith may be strengthened. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so as you can see, the, the title for uh, the lesson this morning and the class this morning is Seven Ways Serving Others Can Benefit Depressed Christians. And we talked a, a lot about this topic yesterday. But, um, and I'm not claiming and, and don't intend to claim that this is the only remedy or the only antidote to uh, dealing with the blues or depression. But it's certainly one that's often overlooked and one that we don't take advantage of realizing that, that through service we, we grow, we, gra we gather a new sense of meaning, maybe a, a shifted focus and perspective. And um, I hope this morning, my goal is for it to be practical to you. And I'm not planning to be lecturing the whole time. I, I will ask some questions and hopefully we'll get some feedback. We'll see how that goes in here, but uh, hopefully it will, will go well. In Acts 20, verse 35, it says it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus spoke these words sometime during his three-year uh, earthly ministry. These words are not recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, but the Apostle Paul, in one of his speeches, mentions this saying of Jesus. And so through inspiration, the Apostle Paul knew that at some point, while Jesus was walking the face of the earth, he said these words, it's more blessed to give, or more blessed to give than to receive. What does that mean? What does that mean? And so I am curious what you think. It's more blessed to give than to receive. This is where it's your turn to talk a little bit. Any ideas? More blessed to give than to receive. Don't be shy. You get more from it than you really think. Woodrow, uh, how so? How so? That's right. So, so in a way, you're getting the, the greater blessing. The one that's doing the giving, whether it's, it's giving of, of resources or means or, or giving of our time or our, our energy or um, our opportunities that we can give. Okay, so that's definitely a way that it's more blessed to give than to receive. How else? And by the way, it's good to see these young people here. Hey, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. So um, how else is it more blessed to give than to, than to receive? Yes, sir. Ah, yeah. We're reminded of our own blessings. And the fact that we're able to give something 
means often that we're giving from the overflow of what God has given to us. Is it possible to outgive God? The answer to that, according to Malachi, is no. In fact, Malachi says you can test God when it comes to giving. Just try to outgive God. You cannot do it. Jack Exum, he used to travel around speaking on, on giving, and uh, years ago I heard him in Oklahoma speaking at a congregation, and he said, it, you know, it's kind of like we are giving God a little, little teaspoon, you know, of, of the blessings, giving it back, and God's backing up with this, this big old dump truck, you know, the beep, 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 and he's kind of unloading his, his blessings in, in our life. Now, those blessings may not be material blessings necessarily, but certainly spiritual blessings. And every spiritual blessing we have, according to Paul in the book of Ephesians, resides in Christ, right? So more blessed to give than to receive. Well, among the religious population, faithful Christians often struggle to come to terms with the painful presence of depression symptoms that might be occurring in, in their lives. And if you're someone that's struggling emotionally or have been for a while, you would know that at times you, you've wondered, is there something wrong with my faith? Or is there something just, just wrong with, with me as a person? Am I not a good enough father or mother or, or child, teenager? Um, am I not uh, pure enough? Um, and maybe there's, there's some stigma and, and shame that comes around mental health issues, particularly uh, that of uh, depression that can erode away at our internal sense of hope and our, our peace that is supposed to surpass understanding. And so we wonder about this and as a minister and as a, a clinician I've discovered that um, particularly in, in this worship time I'll talk about some of my wife's struggle in particular uh, with, with depression. But I've learned that one of the most powerful antidotes for depression is serving others. It's serving others. Though there are other strategies, there's uh, prescribed meds or supplements or talk therapy, uh, healthy diet, regular exercise, rest and relaxation, all these things are important, but often again we overlook this one avenue that's very important. I see serving like a compass. Uh, when I was younger, I was in the, the scouts, and uh, we learned how to do navigation and, and use, use the old compass. These days, you can just take out your uh, smartphone, and there's compasses on that. But um, something that's really awesome, and, and you may may not know this, but if you take a cork, you take that cork, and you get a, a needle, just um, maybe just a sewing needle, and you magnetize the needle. So you get a magnet and you rub it on the needle and you stick that needle through the cork and you stick that cork in a little bowl of water. That needle will automatically do what? It'll point magnetic north, which is really amazing. And so it, it gives us a, a sense of direction and ser serving is a way of, of pointing us in, in the right direction and it helps us to, to get back on track. And so 
I'd like to give a disclaimer this morning before we really dive in, and that is it's critically important for those that suffer with depression to engage in appropriate self-care, to love their neighbor as they love themselves, to, to take care of themselves and realize that, that you're a worthy um, and beloved child of God. So, so realize that. But your seven observations regarding how serving others can facilitate healing in depression. Number one, after we think about loving our neighbor as ourselves, serving refocuses us. It refocuses us. In other words, it shifts our perspective from something negative and something potentially life zapping to that which is positive and, and life giving. And so it takes our eyes off of a, an inward focus and maybe some self-loathing that comes along with depression and puts our eyes in a positive direction. In Matthew 20 and verse 28, it says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so Jesus' example was one of always of selfless, sacrificial, compassionate service. Look at his ministry. He was a suffering servant. He did that which many others were unwilling to do, and it infused his life and his ministry with, with meaning and purpose and joy. Jesus was a joyful person. And he had that magnetic personality, right? That drew people to him, and he shared the, the love of his Father with those around. And so it refocuses us, but it also helps to redefine us. So when you think of a humble Christian servant, who or what comes to your mind? Maybe there's someone that you once knew that was an elder in the church or a Sunday school teacher or maybe a, a grandparent that's now deceased who was just a wonderful servant, was someone that, you know, they were always thinking about the benefit of other people. What about us? If we are volunteering our time and we are giving of our talents and our resources to make a difference, how would that change our perspective on our self. Those that struggle with depression often struggle with a sense of lessness. Lessness. Worthlessness. Helplessness. Hopelessness. Restlessness. Meaninglessness. Alright, so we've got all this, this lessness rather than having a sense of fullness of life and a, a redefinition of our life. A number of years ago, there was a gentleman, and I know a lady came up yesterday and asked me if I knew him, and I said, yes, I knew him, and he's in my book. His name uh, was Dal Flat, Dr. Dal Flat. And I'd like to tell a little story, read a little story from Overcoming the Blues about Dr. Flat, whom I respected tremendously. And um, he was one of my beloved uh, Bible professors, actually a Greek professor at Frieda Hardman. Um, wonderful man, his wife Della, who I just actually saw about three or four weeks ago, she and daughter and son-in-law and granddaughter were on the campus of Frieda Hardman. Dr. Flat 
uh, he would tell us that his wife Della, she was of Polish descent. He called her his Polish princess, which was just cool. Every week, every week on Friday, Dr. Flatt would buy Della a little gift to celebrate the first time he met her. He did it every week, all right, just something little for his Polish princess. That's just the type of guy he was, just such a great inspiration. But I'd like to read the story um, to you. And it's entitled, Charity Begins in the Heart. When my wife, Missy, and I were young, broke college students, we discovered the meaning of being poor and in love. We had recently moved into low-income, government-subsidized apartments and were scraping to make ends meet. Neither of us had much income to speak of and survived on our meager earnings at part-time jobs and struggled with student loans. Things were tight financially. One late afternoon, there was a knock at the door of our apartment. When I opened the door, to my shock, one of my brilliant Bible professors, Dr. Darrell Flatt, was standing outside. What was he doing at our place? Hello, Brother Flatt. What a big surprise. Is everything okay? Ryan, everything's just fine. I'm glad I was able to locate where you and Missy live. Well, please, won't you come inside? I was so confused as to his presence. No, thanks. I just stopped by because I have something in my car for you. I heard you'd recently moved and thought you might need a few bags of groceries. Would you please accept them from me as a housewarming present? By now, Missy was curious as to what was going on and peeked around me to see who I was talking to. Brother Flat? Good afternoon. Hi, Missy, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, I'm just surprised to see you, she said. I imagine that's true, replied Dr. Flat. I was just telling Ryan that I bought a couple of bags of groceries for you guys. Really? That is so kind of you, Missy's voice cracked. I, I don't know what to say. You don't need to say anything, just accept them as a small token of love for my wife Della and me. We were deeply touched. I could hardly believe it. Not only had Brother Flat taken the time and trouble to find out where we lived, but he had seen a real need and had responded in a tangible way. I followed him out to his car where he popped the trunk. I helped him carry into our apartment three or four grocery bags containing basics like milk, eggs, bread, sandwich meat, and some canned foods. We placed them on the kitchen table. Before departing, he said, I just wanted both of you to know that I care about you and wanted to help you, especially since you're both living a long distance from your families. All we could say was, thank you. We really appreciate it. Dr. Flatt didn't stay long, but he made a huge impression on us. We'll never forget that one simple act of kindness, no strings attached, no hidden agenda, except perhaps a sense of personal satisfaction that comes from doing a good deed. In that moment, this humble, godly man powerfully demonstrated for us the meaning of Christian charity. We learned years later after his untimely death that Dr. Dal Flatt had severely suffered with clinical depression most of his adult life.
just an awesome person, a, a powerful story to me still to this day. By the way, after my wife and I had moved on and we were in ministry, my wife was teaching, we were living in Oklahoma, we were dual income, no kids, and we were rich then, back in those days. <laughs> dual income, no kids. And we had a surplus of money, and I remember uh, Missy and I just saying, hey, we just need to send Dr. Flat. He, he gives so much. We just need to send him something and tell him, you may not spend this on Fried Hardeman. You know, you need to take your wife on a real date. I, I think we spent, sent like $250 or $300, something like that. And I, I just, again, am touched by that, that story because I've been on the receiving end. Have you been on the receiving end before of love and of compassion and of godly charity? It changes you in some ways, and it changes you to be on the giving end. It, again, more blessed to give than to receive. It redefines us. And so in Matthew 20, 25 to 27, it says, But Jesus called to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Serving redefines us. Number three, serving reminds us. It reminds us. It brings to mind our, our greater sense of purpose and our calling by God to emulate, to walk in the steps, the humble steps of Christ. Beautiful example of compassionate service. And so thereby we're able to set a positive example, a, a Christ-like example for those around us. Jesus instructed his disciples on the night that uh, he was betrayed to serve humbly as, as he served. And remember what he did on the night that he was betrayed? What did he do? Besides instituting the Lord's Supper, he washed his disciples' feet Remember Peter? Uh-uh, Lord, you're not washing my feet. She said, yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. If you don't let me wash your feet, Peter, you can really have no part with me. Peter says, well, then not my feet only, but my head and my whole body. Give me a bath, Lord. Jesus replies, "Those, you're clean already. You don't need a bath, but... I'm washing your feet so that you will learn to wash each other's feet. And sometimes washing someone's feet might be doing a lowly task for them. I was a youth minister for a long time, guys, and actually also direct the youth ministry program at Frieda Hardeman. And we would do things with the youth group and like work camp in the summer. Have you all done work camp before? You need to if you haven't. Right, but Work camp is, uh, we'd, we'd choose uh, some houses in the neighborhood or the, the, the city and go out and, and, you know, paint these houses. Remember one house, the person wanted us to paint the house this hot Pepto-Bismol pink color. It was terrible, right? I've still got shoes somewhere that has got pink paint on it, right? But what I noticed with, with young people, some of the young people, and I've noticed this with adults and college-age students too, so I'm not just picking on y'all, right? But I've noticed that whenever there was a painting project like that, 
the young people and some of the, the adults, they really liked the painting aspect of flinging the paint around. But you know what they didn't enjoy doing? The scraping. Because sometimes it takes two days of scraping before you get to do the fun part. That's the lowly service. And that's what separates the men from the boys and the woman from the girls, spiritually, and maturity-wise. Ones that are willing to do the hard work and not afraid to go the extra mile, right? We've got to be willing to do that. And we've got to be willing, in a way, to wash feet. And so I think about what the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 2, 9 and 10. He writes, And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor. Isn't that interesting? They asked us to remember the poor, the very thing that I was eager to do. The apostles, the Jerusalem apostles, don't, don't tell Paul and Barnabas to remember the doctrine, though that's important, of course. They didn't say, uh, remember the miraculous gifts that you have through the Holy Spirit. They're told to remember the poor. It reminds us of what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All right, so we need to have that humility, that, that poverty of spirit that shows the power of Christ residing on us. So it, it reminds us. Number four, it refines us. It refines us. Another way of saying this is that service grows us, it stretches us, it matures us, it changes us in, in really a number of, of ways. It, it takes us out of our comfort zone. It takes us out of our comfort zone. It makes us stronger than we were before. Maybe we're going to even learn some, some new skills through giving ourselves in humility and kindness. Philippians 2, 3 through 8 says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Wow. Think about how we are refined and how we grow through service. I love taking people on mission trips, whether it's a domestic trip or a foreign trip to Mexico or uh, you know, anywhere around the world. And so many times I, I've, I've thought, on, especially on short-term mission trips, again, the greater benefit, though the people on the receiving end are benefited, right, from a mission trip, and, and they, they're blessed by it. But the ones that are going on the trip are often refined and grow in ways that 
you just can't do any other way. When you, you see poverty, for example, and you're able to serve and see the, 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 the joy of children and you know, doing a VBS. And I don't speak Spanish. Uh, I wish I did. Um, I need to learn how to do that. But I, I remember going to Matawala down in central Mexico. And um, Veggie Tales is a, an amazing thing, especially the, the Spanish version of Veggie Tales. I remember taking these, these Veggie Tales, these old cassette tapes, and we were doing the stories, and the, these old Spanish-speaking uh, children just, their eyes were just couldn't believe Veggie Tales, and, you know, gave us this opportunity to connect. We didn't always know how to speak, though we had translators, and, and we could connect. But the love that was shared, we spoke a different language with each other. We connected on a different level, which was just awesome to experience, and it refined us, it refined our our chaperones and our teenagers that were on trips like that. So it's, it's amazing. But fifth, serving also reveals us. It reveals us. Through the avenue of voluntary service, we demonstrate to others what we care about. It tells the community, it tells our family, our friends, this is, this is what's important to me. This is what is a priority in, in my life. It shows us and shows others what we're made of. What are we about revealing our inside? In Matthew chapter 5, 14 through 16, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are lights. Whose light do we reflect? Whose light are we reflecting? God's light. All right? The light of, of Christ in our life. We're, we're like the moon reflecting the sun. We're the moon reflecting the sun. His light is, is bouncing off us. And it's just kind of like when Moses comes down from Mount Sinai, remember? And his face glowed. It kind of freaked the Israelites out. <laughs> he was just glowing after those 40 days and he wore this veil when he was around them because of the way that he was the light, that God's light was just all in him and, and through him and it, it was powerful. That light needs to be in us. Early on in the book of Acts, around chapter 4 or 5, where Peter and John are uh, defending themselves and preaching Christ in front of the, the Sanhedrin there in the, the temple courts, one of the sayings that is, is amazing, and you pick up on these adversaries for the apostles, what they said about them was, these men have been with Jesus. These, even though they didn't like it, but they could tell these men have been with Jesus. When people look at us and they see our attitude and they see our love and our compassion and our willingness to, to serve humbly, do they say, that person, I don't know much about that person, but I can tell they've been with Jesus. They know Jesus. They are in a, a relationship with Jesus. I, I hope people say that about me. I hope they say that about you, that they see 
that revealing of God through us. It's an old saying, we might be the only Bible that somebody ever reads. All right? We may be the only Jesus that someone ever sees. We've got to have his heart, and we've got to be his hands in, in this world as he reveals himself to the world through us. Serving, six, it reconnects us. A danger, dangerous side effect of depression is isolation. Hide, hiding from the world, isolating from others, disconnecting from other people, going into emotional detachment. However, when we serve people around us, what does it do? Well, it forces us to interact. It forces us to, to reconnect and maybe to develop some new relationships. Maybe we're feeling lonely. How many people feel lonely? I guarantee you that there are people sitting here this morning, and I don't know most of you, but I, 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 but I know this because I know people. There are people sitting here this morning in this auditorium that you're surrounded by several hundred people, but you feel lonely. You feel like maybe you're all alone and no one understands what you are going through. Serving helps you to come out of that isolation and to connect with others. Now, serving in the community, you know, well, let me say this. Typically I say within these four walls, but I don't know how many walls there are, you like six? I don't know. Within these six walls, um, this is not where you get to know people. Just let that sink in for a moment. This is not where you really get to know people. Where do you really get to know people? It's not in here, it's out there. When you're in people's homes, when you're at a restaurant over a meal with them. But more so than that, when you're standing up on a scaffold, painting a house beside someone, or serving in a soup kitchen, or doing some other type of, of uh, maybe door knocking campaign, or where you're serving with others. That's where you really get to know people because you have to rely on each other in those situations. I commented yesterday that Jesus sent out his disciples two by two, right? And they weren't going onto the ark. Uh, they were going on the limited commission. He sent them out two by two because he knew that they would need that support, and that gave credibility as well to the work that they were doing. So it, it reconnects us. It helps us to feel not so alone anymore. It pulls us back into the, maybe the mainstream of, of everyday life. And I, I think about verses like Galatians 5, 13 and 14, it says, you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then in 1 Peter 4, 9 and 11, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. By the way, hospitality is a lost art in our culture. We need to bring back hospitality. The church was known for her hospitality in Acts chapter 2. We need to be that people. But show hospitality to one another without grumbling as each has received a gift Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that who supplies? That God supplies. 
in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. In my little book on depression, I've got, there's lots of scriptures in this book, but one that I failed to include was this scripture, and I could have kicked myself afterwards. Now, this is an awesome verse because it speaks about the strength that the Lord supplies to us. We're not doing it on our own strength. It's Holy Spirit power that we're working on. God is working in us and, and through us because the glory ultimately is not going to be for us. Who's the glory going to be for? God. Okay. I'm going to step on a couple of toes maybe on purpose right now. Sometimes in churches, sometimes in churches there can be a competitive spirit where in the church it might be, well, our congregation is kind of competing with this other congregation. We're trying to do a bit more and look a bit better than someone else. Now, that might be an unconscious thing, but we are naturally competitive people. I'm a pretty competitive guy. I've got to watch that, right? Because it's not about the Katy Church of Christ. We're not called to bring glory to the Katy Church of Christ. Or in my case, and I serve as an elder too at my congregation, to bring glory to the Bethel Springs Church of Christ. That's not where the glory resides. We're working together, hopefully collaborating with other brothers and sisters in Christ, even outside this particular church family, to bring glory and honor to God. And we realize it's not, we're not doing it on our own strength and on our own wisdom and on our, our own resources and, and ability. These all come from God. You know one thing that God is not impressed by? Your talents. You know why? He gave you your talents. Why would he be impressed by your talents? What he's impressed by is us using our talents, using our opportunities humbly to serve so that he gets the glory and we don't get the glory, right? I was driving in Nashville with my roommate, David Shepard, in college, and um, I was driving, actually, my fiance, soon-to-be fiance, Missy, all right, her little red Toyota Celica. Man, it was a cool car. A little, not a T-top, but a sunroof, and by the way, she did not, did not know that I had taken her car to Nashville. She was really angry with me. But I took her car because I was going to go get her engagement ring. So it all turned out good in the end. But, um, but I was driving up there in Nashville on Old Hickory Boulevard near 65 and Old Hickory Boulevard, pretty busy intersection. My roommate, David Shepard, sitting beside me, and people were struggling to get in kind of, uh, you know, pull into the traffic. And there were some people that were just being jerks, basically, and wouldn't let others pull in front of them. And so I, I stopped, and I kind of I waved this person in front of me. And they pulled up in front, and I looked over at David, and I said, you see what I just did? Without missing a beat, David looked back, and he said, I hope you enjoyed your reward, because that's the only one you're going to get. What he was saying was, we store up our treasures in heaven. We shouldn't be trying to get rewards. I remember that story. Whenever I do something to try to get some accolades, I better enjoy it now because I'm not going to get it in, in heaven. I'm kind of forfeiting that jewel in the crown. So let's be sure that we're bringing glory to God. Number seven, serving others redeems us. In other words, our caring ministry to others takes our internal pain 
and enables us to make something worthwhile and meaningful out of it. So the same comfort that we receive from others and from God, we're able to pass that comfort and that peace forward. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves have received. And so we may be able to comfort those who are any, with, in any affliction with the comfort with which we are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so also through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. So our lived experience of pain and struggle, depression, anxiety, whatever it is that you may be dealing with or a family member, it, it redefines us. It gives us an ability maybe to look out with compassion in a way that others can't because we have suffered or are suffering through it. And so we serve through our suffering. We serve through our pain. We serve through our depression or anxiety. And our lived experience and personal narrative of depression is reauthored so as to infuse it with new meaning and hope and joy. Serving others is a spiritual strategy that should not be overlooked when someone is facing depression. And though initially it may feel counterintuitive, serving stands to refocus, redefine, remind, refine, reveal, reconnect, and redeem us. It's a powerful antidote for depression. So I'm going to open this up for a moment. As we're thinking about these concepts this morning, we've got a few minutes, this is great. What are some comments or questions that we might have based on, on this content? Things that maybe were stirred up as you thought about the power of serving. It might be a personal experience that you've had or something that you've observed or something you've wondered about when it comes to serving as Christ served. Any questions, comments? Yes, sir. That, that, what's the last part you said? Sure. Our, our first mission field is at home, right? The people in our own home that we can serve and be kind to. Um, so many times uh, we're kind to everyone else except for the ones that are closest to us. And I, I think that is so important. And of course, why Paul in, in Ephesians 5 speaks about a husband's, for instance, loving your wife as Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her and how children ought to honor their mother and father in the Lord um, there in Ephesians 6. So, so important, and I, I appreciate that. Remember that you can serve at home as well. What else? Other comments or thoughts? Yes. Second bell. Finish it up quickly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the power of confession 
Amen. There's a lot of power in vulnerability and transparency. And confession, James 5 says that it brings healing, right? Healing to us and maybe healing to others as well. Thank you so much. We'll take a break.